0: The Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 468 for May 31st, 2015. Google makes multiple announcements at I.O., Apple releases its first Watch OS update. And Android Auto Explained. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey coppas Brought to you each week by the Cell Phone Junkie podcast application. Available now for Android, iOS, and Windows Phone 8 for $1.99. Well, we are back after a week off. Our first week off in two years. I have successfully traversed the 3,000 miles across the country from Silicon Valley out to Washington, D.C. All of our stuff has arrived, including all of the podcasting equipment, and uh, we're set up here, albeit in a temporary situation. Uh, we are here, and we should be with you each and every week moving forward for the foreseeable future. Two weeks of news, so let's jump right in. First off, Apple kicking off last week by confirming it has acquired a GPS navigation company called Co- ...coherent navigation. Apple buys technology companies from time to time, the company said in a statement, and we generally do not discuss our purpose or plans, though Apple has scooped uh, up a number of small mapping and navigation companies over the last several years in an effort to increase the accuracy and abilities of its apple maps application now uh, i was uh kind of reading some other side stories about this this week and what it sounds like they're doing is really trying to come up with a a solution that is as good or better than google maps and, and everything that they're trying to do they've got the cars or vans as they were driving around the streets grabbing all uh storefront data for businesses and the like so you'll be able to see what's going on on the street in real time much like you can on google maps among other things and so it's a it's a very interesting solution uh I guess, to uh, the problems that they've been plagued with since Apple Maps was first released. But I'll be honest, I use this quite a bit over the last couple of weeks during all of my travels through unfamiliar territory. And without fail, Google uh, or Apple Maps, that is, has done very well for me. I haven't even used Google Maps.
1: Yeah, you know, and I really like how uh, the Apple Maps is integrated into the iPhone. And, you know, it's kind of the same way on uh, Android device. The uh, Google Maps is much more integrated, it feels, than it does on on the uh, iOS devices. The other thing I will say is with the watch now all the directions get pushed
0: out to the watch and so that's almost like you know incentive enough to be using it but it was great on these long trips where I would just throw up uh, you know the directions into the phone turn off the phone put it in the console on the car and then just get all my turn by turn stuff even in the car on my watch
1: and it works perfectly. Yeah, and I definitely like the uh, the wireframe 3D view of the cities. I think that's a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know what? There's some really interesting things that they've done with it, and, and getting better over time here. So I know it's not perfect. Not everybody loves it. Not everybody is, you know, enthralled with, uh, you know, what they've done, and you know, first thing they do when they get a new iOS devices, install Google Maps. I get it. I've been there. I've done that. Uh, I still, you know, I still have it on my iPad, but I just am not using it as much as uh, as much as I once was. I'm just kind of starting to do that that slow migration over, and eventually, I'll either uh, something will happen, it'll stop me from doing it, and I'll go back to Google Maps, or I'll just eventually Google Maps will never will not be in its uh, in its place on my dock anymore. So anyway, um, interesting stuff there on Apple Maps, and we'll see what happens with that. Now, in other Apple news, Johnny Ive, the company's design guru, has been promoted to the newly created position of chief design officer. Ive's previous title was senior vice president of design, and Ive has been responsible for the hardware design of many of Apple's iconic products, including the iPod, iMac, and iPhone. He was put in charge of iOS user interface design, too, in early 2013, and also oversaw the platform redesign last year in iOS 7.0. The change to the chief design officer frees him up to do more uh, administrative and management or from administrative and management work uh, to some more high-profile stuff. And uh, we'll see what happens with this here. This is effective uh, July 1, and he will be handing over the day-to-day managerial duties that he used to have to the industrial design or on industrial design and user interface design to Richard Hoarth and And, uh, Alan
1: Dye, respectively. They've been longtime employees and have worked together with him for many years. You know, it sounds like he actually wants to move back to uh, to London, it sounds like, is really what he was looking for, uh, some free time to do that. So that's... Uh probably what's going to happen here because it sounds like he wanted to leave apple a number of years ago uh but they really said you just you just can't and and you know i suppose i kind of agree with him a little bit because it really seems like he's uh, pretty instrumental in in the success of a lot of the products do you think that uh, you know over over time this is going to change
0: what the design looks like i mean i the, the thing that i'm i, I am kind of reading into this is that okay so you are no longer uh overseeing the day-to-day on-the-ground worker bees that are doing all of the the implementing of the ideas that you have and so because you're not doing that it's going to be very difficult to have your your ideas implemented in a way that you think is right
1: well not necessarily if you really spent a lot of time on uh you know creating something like a what i would call like a style guide and and creating kind of you know templates on on how how things should be how things should look what's kind of the mentality. And then, of course, you can check these things, um, you know, you know, get the thing kind of designed the way uh, the, the, the guide says you should, and then bring it to me. And then I'll say yay or nay and give some input and suggestions. I guess that's possible. You know,
0: doing it from London, though, may be a little bit interesting or difficult. And obviously, a lot of travel back and forth would be involved. I know he lives in a, in a great area in San Francisco. I remember reading about Uh, that at one point but uh, the long and short of it is is they've got uh, you know he's going to want to do what he wants to do and um, you know fortunately Apple is in a position where they can they can make this change and promote him and then also promote a couple other people to take over the overall uh, day-to-day stuff with this here so it'll be interesting to see what that does here for the design work of course there's always going to be the you know the scapegoat of well Steve Jobs isn't involved anymore and so there's going to be things that are a little bit different or or whatnot, uh, but uh, but ultimately, it's 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 not just one person. There's a lot of stuff uh, and a lot of people and a lot of teamwork that goes into this stuff. So interesting news there on the Apple front. We'll see if that actually makes any changes moving forward. FCC Chairman Tom Wheeler this week circulated a new proposal for reducing unwanted robocalls and text messages to mobile phones. According to the FCC, the proposal is in response to more than a dozen pe- pe- petitions. Seeking clarity on when robocalls and other phone-based outreach is permitted. The proposal looks like this. First, let customers revoke their consent to receive such calls and messages at any time. Number two, permit carriers to create do-not-disturb blocking services. Number three, ensure new owners of reassigned numbers don't receive calls or messages meant for the previous owner. That'll be a tricky one. Number four, define auto dialers to prevent misuse of the laws. And number, uh, I guess this is six, allow very limited and specific exceptions for urgent circumstances, such as to prevent fraud. The proposal would keep in place existing protections, such as the do not call registry and limits uh, limits on robocalls, informational calls and text messages to wireless phones. Finally, the FCC pledged to enforce the rules stringently. Uh, The proposal will be voted on at the commission's open meeting on june 18th you know it's just it's a constant thing these days i feel like the the number of calls that you get uh you know every time i see you know a number pop up that i don't know or i do know it because it's an uh you know the same area code and prefix as uh, a a series of other calls that i've got from it it just drives me crazy and i you know i I cringe and then i I answer thinking that it's going to be different it never is and it's always the same
1: auto-generated call so this is this is long overdue for sure you know, it is. And, and we've had some protection here, you know, by the um, by those really old laws or, or you know, re- regulations where it was, you know, the huge penalty for calling unsolicited to mobile phones. That's that's what has protected us. But these, uh, you know, these people get away with it because they can just do it in such huge quantities and they've got, you know, uh, you know, they can hide behind a lot of technology.
0: It can, and you know, ultimately, it's it, it. They can enforce it all, or they can they can set all these rules as much as they want, but until it gets enforced, and there are some monetary uh, fines or ramifications for what it is that they're doing, it's just not going to change. So we'll see what happens with that.
1: Yeah, and it really kind of comes down to the carriers being able to block it. Is really what I think a big big aspect because they can see those the robocalls coming in in a big huge batch, and then they know that it's uh, it's not uh, legitimate. Yeah, that's that's a good point. The other
0: thing is, is, you know, when you talk about robocalls, sometimes robocalls are legitimate. When you talk about like emergency services, school phone dialers and stuff like that. I mean, there are certain certain things that will
1: uh, be okay. But I bet you that the, the 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 sheer quantity of even legitimate robocalls is probably a tiny fraction of what these uh, you know the the bad ones are. Yeah, that's
0: a very that's a very good point. Moving on to carrier news, AT and T recently said some of its retail partners are going to have to offer only AT and T next plans starting tomorrow, June first. Retailers like Walmart have national footprints, uh, but the change is only being made at some locations that ATT and T would not name. AT&T will continue to offer contracts at company uh, company-owned stores as well as via its website, telesales and other third-party retailers. They believe customers prefer to have a choice and they said while many of its customers are moving to next plans which break up device payments over time, some customers still want subsidized handsets and don't mind signing up to get them. The change is being made by some of AT&T's retail partners but does not represent a change in strategy for them. The next plans were in response to T-Mobile's simple choice plans, which forego contracts and breakup device payments over time. On, Ver- on the Verizon side, Verizon last week announcing the one-year anniversary of its XLTE service by expanding coverage into six additional markets. XLTE is now available in Marshalltown, Iowa, Madisonville, and Owensboro, uh, Kentucky; Traverse City, Michigan; Meridian, Mississippi; and Martinsville, Virginia. Verizon's XLTE coverage is available in more than four hundred markets. It combines the seven hundred megahertz AWS spectrum with uh, to boost its capacity of its four G network. Verizon says it has more than forty XLTE capable devices. Verizon this Tuesday announced a change to its edge equipment installment plans beginning. Uh, today, Edge customers will need to pay off their device in full before they can then upgrade to a new phone. As always, customers can initiate the Edge payment plan with no money down, followed by 24 equal payments to cover the full retail cost of the phone. Customers will then be able to upgrade at any time once the device is paid off, and they'll be able to keep the phone. Uh, before the uh, weeks this week's change, customers were able to upgrade after they paid off just 75% of their old phone, but they will have to wait and had to wait at least 30 days from the time of the purchase before uh, they had to. Turn in the old phone. Verizon said customers may donate or recycle their old phone towards credit of a new device if they wish, Edge installment plans are available to Verizon's post and prepaid service plans. Sprint last week said its direct-to-you home delivery and setup service is now available to all customers in Kansas City, Chicago, in My- and Miami. Sprint initially launching the service in those markets in April, but limited it to existing customers. The expansion means any potential customer in Chicago, Dallas, and Miami may schedule a Sprint house call. Sprint is saying that it's expanding the service as well to New York, San Francisco, and Denver in early June, with more markets to follow throughout the With Direct2U, a Sprint technician will bring the store experience directly to you when you purchase a new phone. It's offered free of charge. And Sprint CEO Marcello Clare believes the company will have the number one or number two network in the country within two years. Clare made the comments while speaking at a Recode conference, and he said, quote, I can tell you we're making progress, and I can tell you that in the area we continue to focus on is building of our network. Many third-party network ranking businesses place Sprint's network in last place compared to the performance of T-Mobile, AT&T, and Verizon Wireless. Clare says Sprint has already made some improvements and notes the company has deep resources thanks to the majority. The owner SoftBank. He has spent a lot of time with SoftBank chairman Masayoshi-san in order to create a viable network improvement plan. Claire has also helped stop the customer losses uh, While he, when he joined Sprint last year. Sprint was losing close to 700,000 customers per quarter. In the most recent quarter, they added 1.2 million customers. And he said, I think uh, the Patience is doing well now. Uh, Claire said the patient is in stable condition. Oh, that's what he's saying. The patient is in stable condition. He did not provide specifics on Sprint's plan, but the company does have large spectrum holdings in 800, 1900, and 2.5 gigahertz bands. Uh, Many of the devices now access LTE in all three bands, which Sprint markets as Sprint Spark. So uh, we'll see what that actually means. If they can actually pull off this, we're going to be number one or number two. It's uh, going to be a big uphill battle for them for sure.
1: It is. I mean, they've said this numerous times and maybe with the new management and the new money by backing them, they actually will implement uh, a network that's uh, going to you know, really be good for the customer.
0: Well, and it's, you know, everyone loves to, to, you know, root for an underdog, but they also love to, to, you know, I don't know why, but we all like to watch failure. Like, we, we just like to watch companies not do well. And I don't know what that is all about, but um, it's just kind of inherent. And I, I, I do... Wish them luck in this, and and hopefully we'll be talking very differently about them here in the next couple of years, because it would be nice to have them as a, I'll just say, a more viable option than I think they are today for most customers. In T-Mobile news, Deutsche Telekom executives last week indicated that they're still evaluating the best path for T-Mobile U.S. while looking at the best way to improve profitability. Deutsche Telekom owns 66% of T-Mobile and attempted last year to sell the company to Japan's SoftBank. T-Mobile has gained more than 8 million customers in the last year. In other network news, Google's Project Fi, its Wi-Fi and cellular-based wireless offering, is moving forward forward albeit slowly, as Google emailed those who signed up saying that they won't be able to accommodate everyone's requests for a number of months. According to Google, they said over the past few weeks, we've been happy to bring on the first customers into Project Phi, and the initial feedback has been positive. Uh, we're sending out invites as quickly as we can while ensuring a high-quality experience, Given the number of requests we have received, the current estimate that it will take until mid-summer to get these out to everybody, Google concluded by saying that it will provide a way for people to check the status of their invites in the next few weeks. In device news, Apple recently introduced a new docking accessory for its iPhones with Lightning connectors. The new iPhone Lightning dock from Apple is compatible with any of the company's phones that utilize a Lightning port for charging and data transfer. This includes the iPhone 6 and 6 Plus along with the 5, 5C, and 5S. This isn't the company's first Lightning Dock, but it's the first to support the 6 and 6 Plus. The dock features its own lightning connector and connects to power in, uh, using the USB to lightning cable included with the iPhone. In addition to the lightning port, the dock also includes a 3.5 millimeter headphone jack, letting you listen to audio through headphones while your device is docked. Uh, the device also, or the dock, it is also has a little bit of a raised uh, connector on it, so you can actually still use it with a case, which is interesting. Also, uh, it, uh, we've seen people using these with iPads. Including uh, both the um, the mini and the full size iPad, so it's all uh, just you know what kind of device you want to stick on there. Just be careful with that uh, if it doesn't have a whole lot of stability. But uh, I've done that um, on a a dock that I have for uh, for an iPad, and it, it does work. Um, you just have to make sure that it's it's not you know wavering or anything like that. Uh, the Li- iPhone Lightning dock is available in the Apple online store for forty dollars. LG last week announcing the G4C smartphone. This is a smaller and cheaper version of the G4 handset. The G4C has a 5-inch screen at 720p HD resolution and runs a quad-core Snapdragon 410 processor at 1.4 GHz with 1 gig of RAM. It has an 8-megapixel main camera and 5-megapixel user-facing camera, a 2,450 mAh battery, a number of radios including LTE, 4G, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, NFC, GPS, and GLONASS. The 4GC runs Android 5.0 it includes LG software functions such as Knock On, Knock Code, Quick Memo, and Q Slide apps. The G4 C will reach markets in the weeks ahead, and they also made the G4 stylus uh, available here as well, being sold uh, in the carriers. Uh, As the stylo. So look for that if you're interested in that. Software news Apple last week made available Watch OS 1.0.1. This is the first system update for the wearable since the release in April. Apple focused on bugs and made a number of performance improvements. Siri should now function more consistently, Uh, adding the watch is better at measuring standing activity. The watch can now calculate calories for indoor cycling and rowing, as well as measuring distances and paces during outdoor walk and running workouts. Watch uh, OS 1.0.1 makes tweaks to accessibility and adds support for new emoji, as well as uh, now speaking in multiple different new languages. The update must be installed through the companion iPhone uh, application and the watch must be docked in order to do this so unlike the iphones and ipads when you can just do the updates as long as the battery is over 50 percent you have to have it on the charger uh in order for the update to happen although it's really no big deal you just throw it on there and then push the update button and it gets done in i don't know a couple of minutes no big deal uh good news there uh apple uh also this week uh, published steps that uh users can take to temporarily temporarily resolve a bug impacting iMessage. Users who receive a specific string of characters will have their iMessage application crash and won't be able to open it back up. Apple said it's working on the fix to resolve the issue. Uh, In the meantime, iMessage users can have Siri open and read the offending message, reply to it and delete it, and then
1: re-enable iMessage. This also actually applies to every notification on iOS and even macOS it applies to. Uh, It's a little bit more tricky to implement on the the Mac to get those characters to to have Happen, but uh it's uh, y- if you get an email even with that uh, string of characters it will crash the uh crash the system
0: that's really interesting and quite scary uh full directions are available on apple's support site on how you can deal with it if you've had an issue with this uh however the good news is that they're working on a fix i bet you we'll see a, a dot zero dot or a point release sort of, you want to call it, coming up here in the next few weeks, if not this week. In Android news, Google this week made multiple announcements at its Google I.O. conference, kicking things off with information about its next release of Android. They're calling it Android M for the time being, and they said it's gone back to the basics to make the platform more stable across devices. Google's focus is on six key areas. First, Android M will expand app permission controls, giving users more choice when it comes to granting app access to personal data. Apps will ask permission to use features as the user takes an app for a spin rather than at the time of installation. Users will then also be able to revoke permissions or adjust them as desired. The second a major issue revolves around the web Experience Through Chrome custom tabs, the browser will save more passwords, autofill more content, and so on. The third area is that Google will be focusing on app linking. Moving forward, Apple or Android will take uh, people to the appropriate app rather than a dialog box when clicking on links. Fourthly, Android Pay. Android Pay works similar to Apple Pay in that Android device owners will be able to make the point-of-sale payments by tapping on the terminal. It works with any Android device with NFC. Google says it's available at $700,000 retailers across the u.s android pay will also be available for making payments within the application within an application android pay will work on all kitkat and above hardware fifth a broader support for fingerprints for ver- uh, identity verification android m lets users lock their device or make play store purchases however google is giving developers access to the fingerprint api so they can add fingerprint support to their own apps as well Finally, Google addressing how Android M handles power and charging. This will be smarter and how it handles power through a feature called Doze. Android uses significant motion detection to tell if the device has been unmoved for an extended period of time, and if so, it will go into an extended Doze
1: state to conserve power. Yeah, a lot of those uh, neat features, of course, a lot of them are coming right from the uh, the Apple and the the iPhone there, especially with the, uh, the, the fingerprint sensor and... The, um, the Apple Pay versus the uh, Google Pay here, that's so crazy. They just renamed it, basically just renamed it uh, from wallet just to make it sound more like Apple Pay. So it's kind of interesting uh, that they've done that. Yeah,
0: we'll talk a little bit more about wallet here because it's not completely going away, but uh, and it's Android Pay, not Google Pay.
1: Yeah, well, exactly because it's Android, Apple Pay. You know, it's uh, it's no. Google, but the uh, the first one with the app permissions that's something that's uh, sorely overdue. This is the way the iPhone handles those permissions, and uh, that's completely the way to do it because um, you know, when, it, when the particular app may or may not request the access to this particular thing, you know, whether it be the microphone, whether it be your, uh, location or whether it be your contact list, it may not always need that. But when you get to that point in the application where it wants it, then it prompts for it. And, you know, it, it for me, then I can make that decision. Do I actually want this thing to have access to my photos? And a lot of times I say, no. Yeah. Right. Or your, your location, your microphone. Exactly. Contacts. I
0: mean, yeah. A million things that ask for. Yeah. So that's, that's really good. Um, Going back to Doze, uh, it's going to extend standby time by a factor of two, they say. So that's huge. So for those of you that don't have your phone moving around with you all the time, this could really increase your standby time.
1: Yeah, that's a great idea, Uh, a brilliant idea to have uh, battery saving.
0: Yeah, indeed. Uh, Android M released to developer preview uh, immediately. Uh, The platform is adding wide support for USB Type-C for more granular control over how USB is used. Full version of Android M won't be released until the fall. The question is now, what are they going to call M? Marshmallow, perhaps? I don't know. Milkshake, I've seen floating around. It's going to be some sort of dessert... Uh, Of course, we'll see what happens with that. Next up, Google's saying its inbox uh, application, desktop email service, and associated mobile applications are open to anyone who wants to use them. Before uh, this week, the app required users to register for an invitation. Uh, Google gave the email service new features as well, including trip bundles, which package together all the details of incoming trips or upcoming trips, such as flight and hotel details. The app gains new controls, too, such as undo, send, swipe to delete, and signatures, Have signatures really? Uh, Lastly, Inbox has tweaked reminder and note functions meant to help save users time inbox is free to download from the google play store then google announcing its own internet of things application called brillo brillo is based on android and has minimal system requirements wide chip support and easy to secure both elements google felt were important in coordination with brillo google introduced weave a language for the internet of things devices to communicate with one another google says weave uses schemas uh, to or language templates to communicate basic actions back and forth Weave functions across platforms and offers developers APIs for incorporating with their own apps. Google says that the, the Brillo UI is easy for consumers to use when it comes to setting up their connected devices. Brillo will arrive in preview form during the third quarter and Weave will be formally uh, fully formed by the fourth quarter. Google showing off an improved version of its Google Now service that is more context aware and able to help generate useful information immediately. Google used an example with a messaging application in which the recipient was asked about dinner reservations and dry cleaning. With a long press of the home key, Google Now instantly generated basic information about the restaurant referenced in the message, phone hours, uh, phone number of hours, reviews, and a reminder to pick up the dry cleaning google said google now will tap uh, on tap will arrive with android m later this year now one of the most buzzworthy announcements of the week google announcing google photos and other attempt to help people get a handle on their photos and videos google wants photos to serve as a user's central repository for all of their photos and videos and make it easier to manage them and edit them as well as to share them and save them uh save the ones that matter the service will be available online and to mobile devices, and users can take advantage of pinch, to, pinch gestures to view days, weeks, months, and years. Everything is stored online in Google Drive. The service is automatically creating albums based on location and timestamps. Google strove to remove the work for keeping photos organized. Users can uh, use people, places, and things to categorize images and all the tags are generated automatically and privately so they're the only ones that can see them. Google's image recognition is able to tag people consistently as they age over time. Photos also has powerful search tools and allow the ability to find specific moments in time. Uh, The search supports
1: albums, movies, storyboards, animations, soundtracks, and editing. You know these uh, photo services are really what's going to define uh, people's allegiance to their devices or the, the the ecosystem, really, because once you get these large photo libraries, you can't move them. It's just it's impossible to. So this is really going to be a, a, a major feature, just like the 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 new Apple's Photo is is.
0: Yeah. So there's there's a couple of things to keep in mind with this. So um, Google Photos is offering unlimited storage for full resolution photos and 1080p HD videos. The photos, though, are only up to 18 megapixels. So if you're using a DSLR or you happen to have one of those camera phones that's got a crazy megapixel uh, rating on it, then you may not get full resolution photos. So keep that in mind. Um, that said, 18 megapixels is is pretty solid. I have chosen uh, to start working on this, but um, uh, th- there's some interesting stuff on, on and the reason why. Uh, but I know, Joe, you've got a comment on this here.
1: Yeah, I was just going to say you can buy uh, storage for more of the, the 1080p. And it's you get, it's a plan. I don't know if they've completely announced the uh, the pricing yet, but it sounds like they're going to have that available.
0: Well, it, it's Google Drive, so it's it's all of the the, the pricing that you would expect with Google Drive. Which I don't remember the exact amounts, but um, let's just go with the one that I remember, which is one terabyte, and one terabyte will cost you ten bucks a month. So depending on what it is that you're trying to do, uh, this could absolutely be something that you could do. Now, here's what I did. So I I've been using uh, a number of different services to backup photos over the last number of years. And I happened to find myself in a position, uh, a couple of years back where I had a, uh, a device that I was using a Google device and I got some free Google drive space out of the deal. And so I started to move my photos over to that, um, and ultimately, I found it to be, and this was kind of about the time that Drive was coming around. Oh, I know what it was. I bought a Chromebook, um, and that Chromebook um, gave me a bunch of free storage. And then I bought a, a Chromebox, and so that pushed my service uh, use or my 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 available storage well over a terabyte. So I said, all right, I'm all in on this. Moved all my photos over, which I believe is somewhere around 400 gigs, somewhere in that in that range and uh that 400 gigs is still in google drive and i don't under i don't know quite yet how this is going to work because i haven't been able to figure out if they're going to credit me the storage for all of the photos that i have already up there if i have to move them over and this is probably actually what's going to happen i have to move them into the google photos folder now that i think about that and once i get them in that folder then i'll be good here's the cool thing though so uh I had been using Google Drive to back up my photos, and I've been testing that out over the last two months. It's working just fine. I'm happy to report. I'm, I'm very I'm about ready to, to drop the Dropbox upload that I have as kind of a backup right now. Uh, but here's, here's what was great. So I was able to, once I installed Google Photos, turned off... The photo backup on the Google Drive application, and just switch it over to the Google Photos app because because uh, otherwise it, I've got duplicates, and I actually have an issue now because I've got a bunch of dupes. Um, but uh, but either way. Uh, then when you go into the Google photos application, I can see every photo that I've uploaded into Google drive, meaning my entire photo library of everything in this like scrollable thing. And like on the phone, it is every picture I've ever taken in one app, just scrollable. It is perfect. I I was going back Joey to pictures of you and me from back in 2001 and 2000 as we were out doing the things that we were doing. 15 years ago that no one on this show wants to know about um but it was it was it was crazy i was i was just i was super impressed at how it just easily integrated all of that stuff so i've got to figure this out on how i can uh how i can kind of consolidate all of this because i've got kind of photos floating all around
1: now yeah you know and and then in just this past couple weeks here i've had to deal with a ton of old photos and i'm like uh, you know, Apple photos is great here, but that's only what six months now I've got yeah. history in there. And now I'm, I'm, I was trying to find some old pictures and, and the other night I was looking for one particular picture. I don't even know what it's from. And if I had something like that, I could probably have found it. But right now as it stands, I've got folders, uh, you know, just folders and folders and folders on the, uh, on the, uh, on the server here. And it's just impossible to find a particular picture. The interesting thing is, uh, because it's Google, it, uh, it, can search through
0: the the what do they call it the metadata of the picture the EXIF data, and so I typed in Chicago just as because I wanted to look at uh, to just to see how it was because I don't visit Chicago all that often, and of course I saw pictures from the last time I was in Chicago in the Chicago airport which I thought was super cool, uh, as well as times that I went and had a Portillo's hot dog uh, two three years ago which was <laughs> if you've ever been to Chicago uh, and you've not been to Portillo's it's it's the best hot dogs out there anyway um, so yeah very interesting stuff there and how you can. Can just get in uh, and and see all of that all that stuff and the photos uh, the the photo face recognition tagging thing is very interesting. Um, it's pulled together a bunch of people and it's fairly accurate. Um, it pulls together cars too. So it can like recognize your cars. And so you can see, if you take a lot of pictures of your cars, you can you can see all those together. It's kind of kind of interesting. So um, I'm very excited to move forward with this and, and play around with it. I'll be very cautious with it though. I don't like to make these big sweeping changes with all this precious data. Um, backups, backups, backups. You have to have backups of all this stuff. Don't just jump into to something and move all of your stuff over and expect it to, uh, to not be any, you know, not to have any problems with it. So anyway, very cool stuff there with uh with google and their new photos so this is finally what i was expecting from google as far as a photos organization tool and i think we're we're 90 we're of the way there now google next demonstrating a new feature of google maps that will allow it to work when the device is offline users will be able to save maps on their device ahead of time for offline access nearly all features of maps will work when offline including location search hours and reviews and even voice guided turn-by-turn navigation google said offline maps will be available later this year and soon after announcing its mobile payment platform uh, service called android pay google set out to clarify the position on google wallet we mentioned that earlier the company is working on a new version of google wallet that's set to arrive later this year according to google it intends to let the service live on for making peer-to-peer payments the new app will let anyone with a u.s debit card send and receive money for free within minutes even if the other person doesn't have the application The money you receive can either be directly sent to your bank account or can be spent in stores using the Google Wallet card. Uh, Google has also revised the Google Wallet application, making it available to Android and iOS devices, and it can also be accessed from the web. Android Pay, on the other hand, powers tap to go mobile payments at the 700,000 retail locations. It began life as SoftCard or ISIS and was developed by AT&T, T-Mobile, and Verizon. Actually, I did not realize that uh, the Android Pay was basically what the SoftCard thing is. So they purchased SoftCard assets back in February. I do recall that. Uh, and so now that's that's what you have there uh finishing this up though apple pay on the iphone um like apple pay android pay requires nfc and an
1: associated credit card to make payments google said that it
0: will have more details on google wallet in the months
1: ahead so now that makes more sense that it is now a different service than just being google wallet so now that makes more sense to me why they went with a different name
0: yeah and it's you know it's a it's a mobile money it's like a paypal type Kind of dealy versus a you're just you've got a credit card replacement with Android Pay. So I guess that's that's how we think about it. Microsoft this week said Android and iOS users will soon be able to use the virtual assistant Cortana on their smartphones. Android and iOS Cortana applications will work in coordination with Cortana on Windows 10 PCs, according to Microsoft. A a phone companion app for Windows 10 PCs will help Android and iOS device owners install Cortana so they can access wherever they go. Uh, The Android and iOS version will include most of the features uh, that the Windows 10 and Windows phone versions uh, allow, including setting reminders, alerts, alarms, flight tracking, managing travel and accessing the core functionality for searching preferences. Changes made uh, to one version of Cortana will be reflected across all devices. Microsoft also mentioned that the updated Xbox music application for Android and iPhone will be available in late June or July in a beta label in tow to stream OneDrive music content, so that's pretty cool. Google's own personal assistant, Google Now is available for Android and iOS devices, but not Windows Phone. Apple's Siri is available, of course, only on iOS. And finally, in news, Microsoft. Microsoft said it plans to take a more active role in ensuring that their existing base of Windows 10 smartphones Uh, has the latest version of the OS. The company will not rely on carriers to deliver operating system updates anymore, and they said they will be taking responsibility to keep Windows security seriously. They'll be proactively updating supporting devices and necessary updates to address any issues, and they're also announcing the continuous update process to apply to all Windows 10 devices, including phones. They confirmed to ZDNet that they will be delivering security performance and feature updates to Windows Phone Mobile handsets, and that code will be pushed out to all users simultaneously much like apple does with windows 8.1 and earlier microsoft relied on its carrier partners to approve and distribute system updates and uh, it will continue to do so with that operating system uh, uh, apple uses the master distribution model for keeping ios devices up to date
1: yeah this is just absolutely uh, critical uh, for mobile devices i mean we've seen such a You know, the the huge disparity with uh, Android devices and what the carriers get, you know, not not to mention the manufacturers don't always do the updates, but then the carriers put the brakes on the ones that have been done for particular devices for, you know, any number of reasons. But it is frustrating as the end user to be stuck in an old version, even though you may have just gotten the device.
0: That's right, and that, that is kind of the key, is that you may have a one of the top-of-the-line latest devices, and just because that carrier or that OEM isn't uh, dealing with, uh, you know, dealing with getting stuff out quickly, talking to you, Verizon, uh, then you may be stuck for quite a while. So, yeah, good news here for Windows 10 mobile devices moving forward. Questions and comments this week. First up is a comment from Les, and he says, On uh, the show the, a couple weeks ago, you avoided an interesting question that was received about AT&T shutting down the GSM 2G network and the talk about the flip phones. That migration has been going on for years. When AT&T acquired Verizon's XS alltel locations, instead of just changing CDMA to GSM, they only installed 3G and gave customers phones with 3G voice. I learned that all new AT and T phones in the previous year had, or two, had 3G voice as well as GSM. I upgraded uh, my GSM Go phone, an extra phone to try on AT and T, so I wouldn't miss any exchanges, uh,
1: traveling or feature less. Yeah, I guess we probably didn't really avoid it, but we didn't, uh, we didn't really go into it. And, and yes, the uh, you know the the planned uh, you know phasing out, sunsetting of the 2G networks is it's kind of been in the works for quite some time here. The, They're going to keep kind of a bare bones, uh, bare bones network uh, floating around, I think, just for some of these uh, hardware devices that are still out there. But as the years go on, there's going to be less and less. And yes, the the devices that they've been selling have had 3G for quite some time. So people will definitely get shut out of their older, older handsets. Yeah, the one thing
0: that's going to be interesting is all of the the B2B stuff, so the cars and the, um, you know, whatever it is, your alarm systems and all that kind of stuff that's using these networks and all of a sudden they're going to be gone.
1: Yeah, and we've had a huge thing with the OnStar system when they shut down amps. That was, you know, that was a big deal where a lot of uh onstar vehicles no longer would work with the with the, the network switch off there um you know these days yeah there's going to be there's definitely going to be devices that don't work like alarm systems and and devices i mean there's not in this era of the two, the 2g era there's not a ton of devices out there but there is a lot of business related um uh, devices yeah there's not too many people i think that are still walking around with
0: a razor right and even then did that that had 3g i think didn't it
1: Okay. Uh, maybe the later ones i'm not sure and, and i'm not sure about the voice yeah it's it's tough to say and then is it doesn't have the right uh, frequencies then that because obviously they've kind of changed those a little bit too recently
0: yeah long and the short of it is, is that most of the stuff you should hopefully have been switched over to already but uh yeah there, there's going to be stragglers here and and ultimately it's it's going to be frustrating when it comes about but uh that's just
1: life with technology i guess you know it is because they need to free up that spectrum for the, the oh, much more efficient uh you know newer protocols
0: yeah, we've got we've got to get it. you got absolutely have to get this taken care of. You bet. Next up, comment from John. He says, "Mickey and Joey, I used to sell cell phones for around fourteen years, and up until two years ago, and I can say that I remember how cool it was to link up my USB cable to my laptop and download a picture of the first house for my wife." and I bought onto the monochrome screen of my Sanyo 6200. What a joke. The Trio 755P was fun, and although I never had one, the Samsung A500 had a VGA camera that you could hook directly up to the phone and send pictures from anywhere on Sprint's network. Thanks, as always, for the great show, you two. A fun trip down memory lane. P.S. Mickey, uh, I used to work in the Steamtown Mall, which you may remember from The Office. John. Well, John, thank you very much. Obviously, yes, lots of fun reminiscing about all of the old phones that we used on all of the older networks. Next up and finally today is a voicemail from Caleb.
1: Mickey, Joey, Caleb down in here in uh, Childress, Texas today or some highway somewhere in the USA. My question for you guys today is what is Android Auto and or iOS in the car? I've heard a little bit about it. Don't understand what it is. What can you tell me about it? What is it? Uh, What vehicles are available with it? Um, Are they available aftermarket? What exactly does it do? Um, And that's about it. Uh, Anyway, you guys, uh, appreciate uh, everything you guys do on the Cell Phone Chunky Podcast. Keep up the good work, and we'll listen for you later.
0: Caleb, thank you very much for the voicemail. So, Android Auto, iOS in the car, uh, these are two systems that have been created, uh, almost kind of offshoot operating systems, that uh, both Google and Apple have been working on to create an experience in the ultimate mobile device, i.e. your car. So... The idea here is you have a dashboard and you've got an entertainment infotainment system on your dash that provides everything from the name of the song that's being played to the temperature in the car to the GPS navigation to... Uh, sometimes phone calling information and even messages in some vehicles. And so what they're trying to do is they're trying to universalize what's happening here and they're doing so with the use of your phone. So the idea of being able to take your phone and put it up on the dash is interesting and also terrifying when you think about just how much information comes into your phone. So what they do is they scale that back to something that's relatively easy to digest, something that is absolutely absolutely the bare bones of what you need on there and then they display it uh basically from the phone into the dashboard uh to the screen of your dash and uh that information uh in in the case of these services includes phone calling and, and it's it's simply phone calling uh it's if you you can go in and you can find somebody's name and then you can dial their name um text messages in the case of android auto do come through however you can't read them if a message comes through you can have the uh the google now voice read it back to you and you can even respond to them uh by dictating a response on it but um there's not going to be any reading going on here and that's kind of the idea is that they want it to be as safe as possible and so they're they're saying okay yes you can do phone calling that's fine we're going to help you make phone calls and be able to do so hands-free we're going to be able to do text messaging but that's going to be hands-free as well uh, uh yada 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 so uh all of this stuff is very interesting uh and, and then you then you say okay well what else can you do with it well you can do um, you can listen to music, and you can do music listening through uh, the music that you have stored on your phone, which a lot of people do. You can use streaming services, such as in the case of uh, the uh, iOS in the car, you have obviously the iTunes Radio and uh, your iTunes, all your music in there. In the case of Android Auto, you have uh, your Google Play and the the streaming music that you have on there. Then you've also got services like Spotify and uh, and others that are going to be including them themselves and uh, getting, I guess, authorized or certified by these different uh, OEMs to make sure that this, you know, they can offer an experience for you as well. MLB is another one I just heard is uh, coming to Android Auto, which is pretty cool. So you'll be able to listen to all of your baseball games uh, through there and uh, be able to do so just with the app that's on the screen. So um, what vehicles is it available for? Well, there's there were a number of announcements this week of different uh, cars that were including this here. Um, but it's it's essentially, uh, you're going to see this in, in cars from every manufacturer from both of these platforms in the next couple of years.
1: The real frustrating thing is, is that, uh, you know, the, the, the CarPlay was announced back in 2013. Um, the very first vehicle that actually had it was a Ferrari uh, back in September of 2014. Just the, in the last couple months here, uh, the the Hyundai Sonata will be really the first v, you know mainstream vehicle that will get it. Uh, and that was two years ago. And you know with the other manufacturers, I mean, it, that have promised that they're going to get it, it could be six up to six years before you actually see it in in the vehicles uh, because of the d- design time and the manufacturing time it takes to actually get uh, these things rolled out. So it's such a slow process. Process compared to what we're used to and uh, similar with Android Auto announced back in uh, uh, mid 2014 uh, actually uh, January of 2014 and it's uh, still just in its infancy basically. Yeah it's amazing when you think about how long this
0: stuff is taking to roll out but but ultimately I think it, it makes a lot of sense to uh, you know to do it right and I, I feel like both of these services have done a decent job with it um, aftermarket
1: wise yeah there's going to be aftermarket decks that are
0: out there that because obviously people don't want to buy a new car just to have a new feature.
1: Yeah, we already have a Pioneer and some Alpines have CarPlay in them. So there's a couple of those units available. Just do a quick Google search to find those particular models.
0: Yeah. And I, you know, ultimately, I think, uh, you know, I think there's quite a bit of, to like about these services. Um, I happen to have a car that has a lot of this stuff already integrated. And, and that's, that's not to say that it's perfect, because it certainly is not. Um, but, uh, you know, for the most part, I can control my Bluetooth audio, I can, you know, send
1: and receive phone calls, I can actually do text messages as well. So there's some nice stuff there. Well, what really this provides, to me, it, it, it really makes a, a difference in if you're changing vehicles. If you think about it, where let's say you rent a, a Chevy and you drive a Ford, but you can use Carplane both. Guess what? the in, the The system is going to be the same for your interface. You know how difficult it is to use some vehicles. Like if you go to yeah. an older BMW iDrive, it's changing the radio station. You have to be an absolute uh, you know genius and know the system in order to do that because it is not intuitive. At all. And this is the kind of thing that makes me think, uh, you know, obviously there's still going to be the vehicles interface there as well, but this will help you when you're uh, changing vehicles. It's interesting. I just thought about something. Could
0: there's there's got to be a uh, a way to interface satellite radio in through this as well at some point, point. Uh, and not not the streaming aspect of it, but um, you know, how do you how do you hook it up so that the phone actually controls uh the hardware for the for the satellite radio?
1: Yeah, you certainly could do that. I mean, if they just had the you know the radio itself could interface with the let, you know, let's just say the Sirius app, for example, and that Sirius app is aware of the hardware in within the radio within the vehicle then it could remote control it and say you know change to channel 23 and change it to this audio source so that's I definitely think it's technically possible interesting yeah I I just had
0: another thought too you have to plug it in every time you get in this is this is all done over a wire so it's you know even if you're just going you know a, a, you know, a mile down the road or something like that. If you want it to, 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 you know, to interface with all this stuff, you've, you've got to deal with that. So, um, you know, it depends on how much you, you commute, how much time you spend in your car. Uh, I know for some people that means that's a lot of time. Uh, for others, not as much. But, uh, you know, it is just something to keep in mind is that it, it is going to require plugging in the phone to the car every time to get this stuff to work and who knows what that latency is going to be probably not very much i could probably watch a video and figure that out but it's it's uh but anyway there's just these things you've got to think about so uh kayla hopefully that answers that question for you and and what it is what it does and and where you can uh, find out uh, you know a vehicle that you can get that has it included If you have any questions for us, we'd love to hear from you. Send us email to questions at junkie.com or give us a call 650-999-0524. Again, 650-999-0524. We'd love to hear from you with any questions or comments that you may have. Joey, thank you very much, as always, for your time. We'll
1: talk to you later. Thanks for listening.
0: For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com.